Hi friends, jumping on before the start of the episode to ask for your help. Since I started this podcast four years ago, I have been dreaming of a place for us to gather, a place where we can practice some of the things that are shared here on the podcast, a place where you and I can meet gaze to gaze, heart to heart, and a place where we can share our experiences of enriching our lives through the wisdom of the body and expanding our pleasure through the wonder of the senses. I would love to hear your voice and your vision in writing this next chapter of Come to Your Senses. Go to schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey to contribute your ideas, give your feedback on which topics you burn with the most passion to hear about, and let's create a beautiful sanctuary together. Schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey. I will see you there. Welcome to Come to Your Senses, the School of Sensual Living podcast. I'm your host, embodiment-based coach, Mary Lofgren. Here, we explore how to live bravely and beautifully through topics like pleasure, beauty, embodiment, femininity, art, somatic healing, mindfulness, and of course, everyday sensuality. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to be here today to talk to you about a topic that I wish I had had more information about (laughs) back in the day when I was killing myself in the corporate world, and that is how to bring more feminine energy to your work. So whether you work 60 hours a week at a corporate job, whether you work 100 hours a week as a stay-at-home mom, whatever kind of work that you do, what we're going to talk about today is how to bring this more feminine perspective and way of being into your work, not just so that you can experience greater relaxation and ease in your work, but so that your work can feel more fulfilling, more fruitful, and more like it is an extension of you and your creativity. And in Embodied Intelligence Coaching, which is my signature coaching program, this is an area that we look at in a person's life a lot. And before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to celebrate our community and share with you a testimonial that I received from one of my coaching clients, Alex. So Alex says, I have wanted to work with Mary for years so that when I saw she was opening up her coaching program, I jumped. Mary is an incredibly generous coach who provides impeccable value, care, and attention to each client. I began embodiment coaching with the desire to heal a great deal of stress and burnout but I couldn't have imagined the richness and depth this program would bring into my life. Inspiration, new habits, lifelong friendships. Embodiment allowed me to access inner strength and confidence from a different perspective, one that is more in my body and less in my head. In addition to the changes I experienced in my ability to slow down, pause, heal my burnout, and improve my sleep. I also formed lifelong friendships with the women in my group. 
I love that Mary meets you where you're at, and my favorite thing about her is the way her intuition is so spot on. Her support is invaluable to me, and I highly recommend this work for those who want to dive deeper into embodiment with a true sensual savant by their side. Ooh la la! Thank you so much, Alex. My goodness. I share that with all of you because in August, I'm going to be opening up the Embodied Intelligence Coaching Program again. And so if what you just heard calls to a part of your soul, and if, like Alex said, moving below the cognitive aspect of healing burnout, approaching work in a different way, and into a richer, more embodied experience of it is something that you crave, head to schoolofsensualliving.com slash coaching to get on the wait list and be the first to know when we open up our early bird savings come August. When we talk about feminine energy, you know, there are a lot of different aspects and expressions of feminine power. And one of my favorite definitions of feminine energy comes from my coach and mentor, Jenna Ward, who says that the feminine is this feeling flowing energy that exists in all human beings. I also really appreciate Audre Lorde's definition of the erotic, which to me is synonymous with this feminine energy as she describes it as our fully feeling self that the erotic often gets confused with the pornographic and not necessarily pornography itself, but this experience of the erotic as a highly sexualized, plasticized, sensation without feeling kind of expression, but that the essence of this energy we call the erotic is actually our full aliveness that we can bring to our love relationships or to our parenting or to our office jobs. And so with that in mind, when we talk about bringing feminine energy to work, at first listen, that might sound like flowers on your desk and, you know, just kind of these traditional associated expressions of the feminine. And and that may be a way to access more of that feminine energy in your life. But What we're going to talk about today and what I'm going to share with you now are some ways to access that feminine energy, not from the outside in, not necessarily from what you do, although that is part of it, but more from the inside out, committing to and experimenting with an expression of this fully feeling self on the inside so that there's less of a divide between your work life and your actual life, I don't really think that there is such a thing as the two being separate since you are the one, your life is the one showing up to your work life. And so there can be a little bit more blending so that you don't have to experience such an intense degree of compartmentalization, which can be so draining on your life force. And so the first is taking your actions from a place of depth. This week, I taught a class to my coaching program around this sequence that happens in a human being's system, their mind, their body. And it starts with stimulus, which leads to sensation. That sensation leads to story. 
and that story leads to action. And so the class was about how to interrupt any phase of this cycle so their actions actually come from a more deeply rooted, intentional place than just simply a reaction to a stimulus. So for example, let's say you go into the office and you receive a look from your boss and that look creates a sensation inside your body, which is enmeshed and entwined with a story of your not enoughness, right? That your boss who, who knows, may have just be feeling constipated that day. Like we don't know, you know, your boss gives you this look and all of a sudden it ignites this story inside yourself about you. And so then you have the thought, well, crap, I'm not working hard enough, or I didn't finish that project soon enough. So you run into your office and you dive into work and you're sweating and adrenalized when ultimately this may have more to do with your boss's digestive tract than with your worth. So a way to bring more feminine energy into this experience for the benefit of you and your boss and your entire office or whatever your work setup is, is to ensure that your actions match the depth of your intention. So in the example that I just gave, you know, all of that, that sequence of events happens really fast where a belief or a story gets stimulated and then an action gets carried out. And so a question I ask myself multiple times a day is I just slow down, I connect to my breath, and before doing anything, I ask myself, is this the most important thing that needs to be done right now? Is this the right thing that needs to be done right now? Is this the energy that's going to help me perform this task to the best and most artful ability I can muster. So for example, I'll, I'll just kind of tell you a story about my morning. So I have an appointment. I have to leave in about 30 minutes and I knew I wanted to record this podcast. And as I just kind of paused and slowed down and after I wrote the episode notes, wanted to jump right into recording. It's like, you know what? I want to be more embodied. The energy that I want to bring to this is not, I have to leave in 30 minutes. I better get this done fast. It's like, I want it to be syrupy. I want it to be slow. I want it to be intentional. So I dropped to my mat and I did a seven minute practice. While I was in my seven minute embodiment practice, some strong emotion came up and I thought, oh God, I need to unravel this. I need to take care of this before I go record this episode. Maybe that's the most important thing. But once again, I dropped in like, is this the most important thing right now? And the answer was no. Actually, feeling my feelings while extremely important and really is kind of the basis of my life and my work, in that moment, it was not the most important thing. The most important thing was that I carry the energy from my embodiment into this episode. And so those questions, once again, are, is this the most important thing right now? Is this the right thing right now for me? Not right by any outside standards, but, you know, in that moment, it's like, it was really important for me to feel that strong emotion, but it didn't feel like the right thing. It felt kind of like an arbitrary overcome with emotion reaction rather than the response. And then is this the energy that I need in order to do 
whatever this thing is. And that leads me into the second aspect of bringing feminine energy to work is that when we make our to-do list, and this is something that I teach in embodiment intelligence coaching too, is how to create a to-do list that really serves your feminine body and energy. When we create our to-do list, usually it's just this long Santa Claus list of things that we need to do. That's usually three times longer than what any human being is capable of in a day. And we look at the list and we see all the tasks and we go towards the one that feels most like an emergency. And it's like, we just use this fuel of adrenaline and fuel of really not enoughness to just keep going back to the list to prove our enoughness. I don't know if you do that, but I know I do that from time to time. And I have done that almost my whole life. And one of the things that you can do to help make your to-do list more functional is in addition to the tasks that need to be carried out is create a separate section of what are the things I need to do to tend my energy to ensure that these tasks can actually happen and can happen well. So when I make my list for the day, you know, there's items on it. And then I look at what kind of energy do I need to record a podcast? Well, I probably need to do a seven minute embodiment practice so that I can be really dropped in and really present. What kind of energy do I need to edit a blog post, you know, I'll probably want to do that after lunch when I don't have as much energy on board, when my energy is a little bit more mental than it is physical, things like that. And that segues us perfectly into the next piece, which is respecting that everything has a cycle. and Everything has its own energy. So often on this podcast, I talk about my friend Kate Northrup's book, Do Less which is about a feminine approach to time management. And something I've really learned from her is that everything in our creative life, and even if you're an engineer or, you know, uh, someone who programs code, like those are still, even though they're more linear tasks, are very creative energies. Everything that we create and produce has its own cycle. So in Kate's book, she talks about our obsession with being a perpetual harvest kind of culture, that there's this expectation that we should always be in the phase of cultivation, but that when we look to nature, which is, in my opinion, just evidence of what's true and what's real, there are these four distinct phases to everything. There's this, what some might call the death phase or in Kate's book, what she calls the fertile void. There is the springtime phase of reemergence, new life, new seeds, new creativity. There is the visibility phase of showing this new creation to the world. So I think about, you know, the trees outside my window and their little green buds that then burst into flowers. And then there is that sacred ending once again that gives birth to the fertile void. And we are in the creation of these cycles over and over and over again with all of our different projects, whether that project is your child (laughs) or that project is your book proposal or that project is making your grocery list. 
And the expectation that we are to be in that visibility harvest phase with every single aspect of our life at the same time is not only unnecessary pressure, but it's actually quite impossible. And we see that. That's why there is this beautiful contrast in nature. And so if learning how to harmonize with your different cycles of energy and with the cycles of nature is something that you want to learn more about, I'll put a link to Kate's book in the show notes. The next way to bring more feminine energy to your work is to be fierce for the thing. That is the last thing that's probably on your mind when you're at work, which is pleasure. I remember when I used to work at Mama Gina's School of Womanly Arts, I was the director of enrollment. And when things would be particularly stressful, so Mama Gina's School of Womanly Arts is a school about teaching women pleasure, the art of receiving pleasure, creating their lives around pleasure. And when things would be particularly stressful, if we'd be, you know, a week out from launching our big course of the year, we would have lingerie day where everybody would come to the office and put on their lingerie and work in lingerie that day. We would have afternoon tea parties. We would have dance breaks. We would have dance breaks with the FedEx guy who would come in and salsa dance with us at like 4.30 p.m. We would have rock star day where we would dress up in leather and sunglasses. And we just brought so much fun because we knew that during these times we would be out of our minds with stress. And so the pleasure acted as a lubricant to our deepest sources of energy, stores of energy, and our wildest creativity and bravery. And so I don't know what that looks like in your office if you showed up in lingerie and a leather jacket, how that would go over. But what I do want to encourage you to do is be fierce for your pleasure as a form of leadership. So I imagine that if you clicked on this podcast, there is a part of you that knows that this storyline of martyrdom that we have been fed about how to be a good worker is not only fishy, but is actually completely unsustainable. And in my experience, people who are the greatest joy to work with are actually not the ones who have no boundaries, but they are the ones who have really well thought out, established boundaries and established boundaries around things like their time off and things like their pleasure and who have leftover energy to bring joy to their work and to the workplace. You know, that martyrdom experience, in my own experience, can be so addictive, you know, and can be so um, connecting. It's such a point of connection with our coworkers of how much our life and job sucks. It's a way that we bond and that we form relationships. And so if this is something that you relate to and that you're questioning in yourself, I challenge you to find new ways of bonding and new ways of showing your leadership with your coworkers by being fierce for what's going well and fierce for what you're proud of in yourself in that job and fierce for your pleasure. And that brings me to my final jewel around bringing more feminine energy to work, which is relationships. So in the more 
masculine. And another way to say masculine is just like that dominator kind of way of being. This idea that our power comes from our individuality and our ability to tough it out and to do everything by ourselves and to numb ourselves in order to get a result. The more feminine or partnership way of being is about not our ability to be that solo warrior, but our ability to be interdependent on one another. And that our ability to lead and to do great work comes not from our numbness, from from our deep feeling and that depth of intention that we bring to every one of our actions. And of course, it's not one or the other. In my opinion, doing great work is really about finding the, the sacred marriage between these two energies, which each have their own beauty. And when I worked at Dermalogica, which was a skincare company that I used to work at that I loved, the founder, the CEO, was named Jane Warwand, and she was this extremely charismatic, wise, intelligent, funny woman. And whenever she would come to the office, you know, she was the CEO, she was head cheese, so everybody was really nervous. And what I really remember about her is that every time I would talk to her, she would look in my eyes and I would feel like I was the only person in the room. She had such a fierce devotion to relationships as being the central keystone of her success. And we hear a lot these days about a care economy, community care, which is different than office dynamics, I know. But what I take from that and what I love about that is that we do great work when we care. And we do great work when we care about one another, much like pleasure is a lubricant to our creativity. Relationships are a lubricant to our fulfillment and to our enjoyment. So I remember one time volunteering. There's a community-based yoga studio here in my town. And one time I volunteered to be part of one of their service projects. And I got faced with the task of hammering wood slats into the ground in a parking lot by myself. And the work itself wasn't that hard, but it was being out there alone for two hours doing this menial task. And then I came back for another service shift where I got to do some other task. I don't even remember what the task was, but I remember that I was with people, meeting new people, connecting with people, and it went by in a breeze. And that's a great example of how relationships offer us a deeper sense of purpose when it comes to our work. And I also know that relationships at work can be tricky and complex. And something that I used to say to myself a lot when I worked in offices, well, two things. One is that relationships are a key part of how I assess my own wealth. So wealth is not just about the possessions that I own or the money that's in the bank, but it's about the quality of my life and the quality of my relationships. And so knowing that, it really helped me to invest in the people in my workplace and invest in those relationships. And this may be cheesy or cliche, but I really love thinking about relationships as just this spiritual training for how I can see God or source or the universe in each person. And so when there's a troubling relationship at work to really kind of view that as my gym for my boundaries and for my level of compassion. 
And so if you enjoyed this episode and you are looking for more support around bringing feminine energy into your work and into your life in general, please head to schoolofsensualliving.com slash coaching. I would love to have you on the wait list for our next launch of the program. And thank you so much for listening. See you next time. For more coaching classes and community in the art of sensual living, head to schoolofsensualliving.com. There you'll find a free course on how to reduce anxiety and increase your natural confidence through powerful embodied body language. Head to schoolofsensualliving.com confidence to get instant access to the course today.